Talking Back. I'm your host, Dr. Paula Sperry. For the next half hour, I invite you to join me as we explore health issues in the news and learn from those involved in keeping our community healthy. Our goal is not to diagnose or to suggest treatment, but to celebrate your body's innate potential to heal itself. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning on Talking Back. My name is Dr. Paula Sperry. I'm happy to be here with Aaron Sestero, who works with a company, a new uh, 501c3 co- corporation called Wild Response. And believe it or not, Wild Response is global, but it's based right here in East Ham, and it's helping a lot of kids locally as well as worldwide. So Aaron, how did you get involved with this company? For me, it actually started during my military service. I was working a very unique mission in West Africa where we were supporting wildlife rangers and working in conservation areas. Hmm. For me, as a special operations medic, this was the most impactful work I felt I did the entire time. Wow. Yeah, these brave men and women who were the guardians of our wildest places. They're just so under-supported, so under-equipped, mm. and it's, it really was very meaningful to work with them. So when I got out of the service uh, just recently, in February of 2021, I was medically retired. I linked up with Wild Response. It was something that had already started here, mm-hmm. but was very much in the startup phase. COVID had really... Put oh, the organization so on its many heels. Yeah. Well, and yeah. the impressive thing about the organization is that they kept doing work. Okay. So the CEO and founder Kevin Garrett is a great coworker and friend. He was working in South Africa, stuck there, unable to travel. Mm. He still got out there and supported wildlife rangers. Went out and. Um, There weren't any nature schools going at that point. Everything was closed down. But as soon as they started opening again, partnering with the men and women who were running these. Right, right, right. And so shortly after coming on board, I went out to check it all out. I said, well, let's see who are the people doing this amazing work. Yeah. Who are our partners? Who are our friends in the space? Right, 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 right. Because really everyone was struggling at this point. So maybe if we banded together and helped each other, we can get some more meaningful work done. And well, that's been the case. Right. What is the um, main goal or mission statement of Wild Response? So our main mission is to save species in peril. Okay. Right? But it's a people problem as well as an animal problem. Mm, So we do this by supporting wildlife rangers and the communities they serve in. It really has to be looked at holistically. You can't just go there and stand guard over an endangered species as uh, pleasant as that would be. Mm -hmm. There's just too many of them and not enough of us. Yeah. So who's working in the space? Whose responsibility is this? Yeah. 
you know? Really, what we found is people in the communities who didn't have the educational or pay or equipment, Mm -hmm. even transport, any of the things that we enjoy here. Right, right. You know, everyone in our nonprofit, for the most part, are disabled veterans. So we all have TRICARE and we all have a stable place to live. We don't have to worry about bandits here. Yeah. We don't have to worry about landmines on our route. Oh my, yeah. As we go and just patrol fence lines or do any of the other tasks. So... But yeah. when it comes yeah. to the um, the African area, is it mostly like local people that work with wild response? In Africa particularly, it is a great mix of people we work with. It is locals um, who have been doing this their whole lives and living in that space. Mm-hmm. It is uh, other international nonprofits. It is, you know, countries are involved in this. The entire South African region Mm -hmm. all has its things that they're getting after. And then it's all the way up to the UN. So it's really at all levels. Everything (laughs) from grassroots to the proverbial ivory ivory tower, you know? Well, that's, that's amazing to have one organization that encompasses so much of the globalist uh, thing that's going on with trying to save our species. Now, children get involved with this, which is why I thought it would be great to talk to you today. I'm talking back, Erin, because I know that the headquarters for Wild Response is right here in East Ham, which is pretty awesome. And so what do we do with the kids around here and how do they get involved? You know, one of the things that I really love about where we are headquartered and why it is so appropriate for an organization like ours is that almost half this town of East Dam is protected areas. Mm-hmm. You know, we have ecotourism, we have local fisheries and balancing the limited resources that are here mm-hmm. and all of the facets that are needed to do global conservation all exist here. We do a great job with balancing that compared to most of the world, right? Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, sure. So, you know, there's nowhere without their struggles, but I'm really impressed at how it's handled here. But our kids, they sit in classrooms and they do play dates and they go to, you know, maybe go and do rock night and ice skating. There's some things to do. Right. Right. right? Yeah. But most of these kids do not get out into the woods. They'll like, stay on a path. When you were a kid, did you get out into the woods? I, when I was a kid, I didn't get out of the woods. <laughs> you know? The yes, sun would go down, point. and it was, yeah. where's Aaron? You know? Yeah. I remember catching tadpoles and you know, trying to get dragonflies and picking berries and building forts. And it seems today that the kids are all like locked so much into their media devices, you know? Yeah. It, it's just, uh, I mean, I guess you could experience what nature looks like through one of those. But you're, to be in nature is a whole nother concept. And I'm so proud of you and so happy to hear that you are actually doing something about this and getting our kids in our country away from devices and into, back into nature. But we were talking a little bit before the program, I guess in Africa and other places that you work with the wild response program, you're actually doing the opposite? A lot of these schools, uh, they 
are lacking a lot of the technology, you know, so it's very difficult to get good conservation mm. materials out to folks in a standard like hardback or, in, you know, there's no encyclopedias just going around in their own language. But with technology and devices, we can actually get those educational aids and tools, right? Mm -hmm. So they have them here. My, my son is nine years old and thriving in the East Ham Elementary School system. Mm -hmm. And they have a smart board. They have tablets and everything like that. Yeah. You know, so what I see is the, the teachers utilizing these to great effect, but also struggling with the, hey, how do we now get their hands on it, right? Yeah, It's right. not the same. It's right. not the same to just look and see something when you have this resource right here. Yeah. They have a nature classroom right down by the minister's pond in East Dam. Okay. You know, uh, it's absolutely awesome. I was appalled to find that I knew more about it than, you know, students there wow. at the end of last year. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, you guys should be getting out here and using this. You right, know, like, right. Yeah. So you've been instrumental in getting our local school-aged children out to actually take part in these things that have been set up for them to explore nature. Yeah. I think that if, at the very least, I provide an excellent excuse when I come there and say, <laughs> hey, I would like to come and offer my services to go and talk about what it means to be a good steward what it means to be a part of nature, mm -hmm. not just a passive neighbor, you know? Right. And what kind of jobs and everything are out there? Opportunities, everything from art, music. Um, I was talking, I brought in a, a sculpture that I had brought back from Africa. They made their living making this sculpture. Wow. So that, and then it was sold. The proceeds went towards conservation. Mm -hmm. So it's you can be a scientist, you can be an artist, a musician. It doesn't matter. You can take part and be a part of the solution of helping protect our world. You know, yeah, exactly. and it's. I think that for the most part, I really do just provide the excuse. Though <laughs> the resources are all there, we yeah. have amazing teachers. We have amazing outdoor classrooms. Well, we have you're the a National conduit. Seashore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're a conduit to get those two things together, and I find that very exciting and so necessary. And today, if you're just tuning in, this is Talking Back. My guest today is Aaron Sestero, and we are talking about a relatively new charity type group called Wild Response which takes everything from the minutia of lo locality to a global experience in helping to uh, preserve our failing groups of uh, wildlife uh, and uh, helping to educate children, as well as I'd imagine most adults on what's going on in the natural world. Yeah, it's one of the most impactful things we can do, we feel, is to have these knowledge exchanges mm -hmm. at all levels, really. This is all of our world. So yeah. having children in the conversation early 
I think is important. I don't know if everyone had this experience, but when they were younger, there was like this list of things you could do when you get older. <laughs> you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, yeah. you could be an astronaut, yeah. you could be a football star. Right. You know, um, I didn't recall anyone telling me that I could do something about helping preserve this planet. Mm-hmm. It's all about what you could do for yourself and your family, but not about what you can do in a charitable way for nature. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, our endangered species of this world are critical for all of our survival, mm-hmm. but they obviously have no say in it. And there are so many, so many nonprofits and so many groups out there doing amazing work mm-hmm. that it's something that we can go ahead and let everybody know, you know? So right. when I go in there and I talk to these kids, they're. They know that there's all-female anti-poaching units out there bravely patrolling with there's and where would that buffalo. Be That's in Hoodsprit, South Africa. South Africa? Yeah. Why all-female? So for this group, it was the first to set up in the world. And, um, you know, I, I've talked with them so many times. The work they do is so amazing that it never even occurred to me to ask why they would do this. All I could see was the fact that they're heroines in their communities. Mm-hmm. They are people that go out, do the work, but they do it in a way where they're not a, they're almost never patrolling with weapons, everything like that, mm-hmm. you know, even though it's dangerous areas. They're doing it through understanding of the environment respect for the environment how do they stop a poacher though so that's what the radio is for okay so there are all kinds of different ways you could categorize someone as a ranger most people think just the anti-poaching unit where it's uniform boots on the ground Mm -hmm. uh, an ak-47 and um, a heroic picture of them next to the rhinos they protect right it's in a an amazing profession. My hats are off to the men and women who do that, but that is only one-tenth of their job. The rest of it is they're taking part in studies. They're doing community engagements. They're doing fence mending and repair. They have parades that they put on, drill and ceremony. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these other aspects of it, but yeah, most people I've talked to who I would qualify as a ranger, and the International Ranger Federation, mm-hmm. a global body recognizes them, they don't even consider themselves ranger. They might be a nature garden guardian. Yeah. They might yeah. be a warden. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. could be a police officer, they could be military, they could be veterans who were just hired to do anti-poaching on a property. So how is the uh, anti-poaching movement uh, out in Africa and stuff? I mean, is it being effective or are the poachers winning that? battle so it's it it depends how you measure it I suppose Um, I would say without anti-poaching there would be absolutely too many animals lost Mm -hmm. you have a big elephant with this that tusks have grown you know over its lifetime you know 30 something years their role in the environment is critical you know, they're, they're the ones who knock over the trees to keep mm-hmm. the grasslands there for all the little critters, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if anti-poaching can keep them from taking that elephant, 
this is good, but right. it's not enough. Right. Right. So that's what they call in the illegal wildlife trade, like the level ones, you know, or the lowest level of it. It's an international crime syndicate. Mm. You know, so yeah. most of these are going across international borders and have more than three people involved. Well, yeah, because you could buy a ticket to go somewhere like that and shoot your giraffe, you know, to hang on your wall or whatever. Sure. I, I mean, mean, yeah, then there's that's, um, you know, that's more in the line of like trophy hunting, which has its own isms about it. Uh, mm -hmm. There's some places where hunting is a successful model for conservation. A lot of places overseas, that is not the case, but mm. I feel like that would be a whole nother podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's get back to the kids. <laughs> yes, indeed. So you um, also participate in the Junior Ranger Trekking Club with East Ham's Recreation Department, and I think that's fabulous. In fact, uh, Lisa, who I work with, came in and said, oh yeah, they're doing this tracking for guests. Get a hold of that guy, whoever it is, and it winds up being you, of course. And I thought that that was so cool to bring kids out, especially if we had a little snow this winter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know? Well, I mean, there's so many amazing places that are very easy for beginner level to do some tracking. Mm -hmm. uh, I am not a master tracker. I do not certify people as master trackers, mm -hmm. but I do have a love for the art that I wanted to share. I wanted to let kids know that you can take a look in the environment around you and learn to read it. You know, learn to use what information you have mm -hmm. and apply your imagination to try to figure out what might have happened here. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I, I say a lot of, I think this yeah. or perhaps this happened because without actually seeing the animal do it, mm -hmm. you can't tell. So it's really, really fun to have kids applying their imaginations in that way but also just learning some basic safety stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. um, what to do, how to keep your bearing, how to track yourself back out should be separated and get lost. Oh, you're right, good point. You know, um, I ask kids, one of my favorite questions to ask is, what are the hazards that you think there are in the woods? And, you know, kids will be spot on with ticks of course this right. is quite a hazard you have to watch out for so we do tick checks and poison ivy can be hazardous especially if you're very allergic so mm -hmm. we don't avoid the poison ivy per se we just know that they're respect gonna have to it. respect <laughs> it yes I, I i couldn't have said it better um but one of the kids goes and says coyotes and i said hmm is that a hazard or is that part of the nature that we came out here to enjoy? Yeah. Is that what makes this place so special? Is mm -hmm. that there are coyotes here? So I say, who has seen a coyote? And almost all the hands come up. And I said, and did any of you get eaten? <laughs> well, what happened? Did it just stand there and look at you? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, was it respecting your space? So yes, and did you respect its space? Yeah, there's yes. a there's a good lesson to teach them right there. Yeah, that's it. You know, we went yeah. down. One of our days was at the beach, so we talked naturally about the great white sharks and the seals and the rip currents. Oh, sure. But we also talked about 
how much food and life it gives. Right, right. Not just for people, but for everything. Everything, know? sure. Everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, one of the most amazing and biodiverse places on Earth right here. Yeah. Right, right just go God. there. Yeah. Right. Yep. Just being able to share it. There's not a lot of preset curriculum, you know. It is very student-led, you know. We put them, combine childlike curiosity and wonder for the environment with the environment. There you are. That's a nice, that's a nice pairing. Yeah. But you also pair with um, other schools from around the world, which I find really kind of cool, is because there's, you learn so much about each other's culture that way as well. So could you talk about the exchange program that the Wild Response Program does? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at the, to this point, it hasn't gone beyond just talks about pairing them up because we do have some gaps to mm-hmm. get them doing a, we want to have them do a digital pen pal, right? Yep. So that was part of that irony that I'm getting kids off of devices here and trying to get devices in the hands of kids overseas, <laughs> overseas right? Overseas, right, yeah. But it's, so it's part of it so that they can be set up to do these exchanges so what we do is we train and support their teachers who are also part of the black mambas anti-poaching unit so they also run a school in the community and the it's called the bush babies it is where the kids go when there's no other school so it's an after school if there's a holiday all the kids come here that's in south africa that's in south africa right in the edge of the greater kruger national park okay in years past, none of these kids would have had the opportunity to actually go over the fence and take a look at all of the amazing wildlife there. Hmm. You know, Kruger National Park has an amazing amount of biodiversity, almost as many bird species as here, hmm. maybe more, I don't know. But it's, um, I'm constantly amazed by everything I see there. And the, the kids weren't getting out there and able to see it. So the Bush Babies started doing that. And that is something that we want to promote and get them out there doing right. a lot more of. Yeah. And that's kind of gave me some of the idea for, well, you know, it's actually not a lot different back home. There's this beautiful national park. Right. The kids aren't restricted to go in there. No. But they're home but on their devices. They're home on their devices. Yeah, they playing have these video digital, games. digital cages that keep them yeah, from exactly. enjoying it. You know. That's why they call them cell phones. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing work, and it's it's a model that a lot of international nonprofits use. They have not just a poaching unit that they'll support not just studies that they'll do Mm -hmm. um they'll also have a school for the community nice yeah it's so important you know uh, when you look at from the ten thousand foot view what people in this world are trying to get after at the un level the iucn they've said that they want to have 30 percent of the globe protected by 2030 right Mm -hmm. and we at Wild Response are so supportive of this. We want to take part in this initiative as often as possible. 
but it's going to come down to staffing it. Like, right. where do all these like wildlife rangers else. come from? Right, right, exactly. You know? So if you can get to the kids and get them interested in nature and in the work that you're doing, there's a higher probability that some of them will get involved in a career. Yeah. So, I mean, even if just one of the kids goes on to get a career in it, uh, it's an absolute win. But my hope for all of the students is that they have a respect for the profession. Yeah. You know, it should be the same amount of respect that goes to a policeman, a firefighter, a doctor, all the other people that have essential services mm-hmm. of this world. Well, planetary health care workers... That's right, right, you are, absolutely. That's, wildlife rangers are one of them. Yeah. People who, all of our partners who work in conservation, all these other nonprofits, they're planetary healthcare workers. So, yeah, and more. So where do you see a wild response going in the uh, near future? Right, so we are setting up a foundation in northern Thailand. Um, that is going this year. We're looking forward to having some twinning opportunities between uh, first school age kids. Uh, we also have some high school age kids uh, who are very interested. So doing some of that. Here on Cape Cod, I want to be able to... I did second and third graders for this past uh, tracking club. I would like to do something for fourth and fifth. Mm-hmm. in the spring and then take a look at how many more volunteers we can get together so we can offer more age group inclusive tracking clubs throughout the summertime because it's I mean, it's an amazingly beautiful time to do it. Right, right. And um, East Amrec has been amazing to work with but now we've had, uh, you know, Wellfleet Rack, Harwich has reached out. Um, schools in Nantucket are expressing interest and oh, want to get wonderful. involved. So, as far as the Junior Ranger program, I think that the best thing we can do is continue just find every opportunity to get kids into nature mm, and empower their teachers and their counselors to be able to tie this into their curriculum, you know what I mean? Right, we, right. We, don't, we don't have a curriculum that's gonna be contrary to anything they're doing. It's always, hey, this is a discussion. Right. What, what is the rubric for what you need to do? What is it you have to teach? How can we wild responsify it? <laughs> and anytime you take a kid and throw its butt out, out the door, and uh, make him appreciate what's going on outside, I think is a really good idea. So congratulations, Aaron. I understand that you uh, hold a major position with Wild Response. Yes, I am the president of the board, and I am also the international programs manager. So that means that uh, I'm herding a lot of cats here (laughs) stateside. And, you know, doing a lot more of the administrative stuff than I really have any business doing. But also... It's a startup. I'm operational and I go overseas. I'm one of the lead medical trainers. And, yeah, it's a a passion that I don't see myself setting down and walking away from anytime soon. So would you be looking for volunteers from our community here on Cape Cod? I would, yes. I would also say that my biggest need has got to be getting a volunteer coordinator. Mm, okay. Because, yes. So we, any volunteer <laughs> coordinators out there, get a hold of Aaron Sestero with 
wild response. And uh, you might just find yourself out there having a good time yourself with all them kids and everybody else. So, Aaron, how could people get a hold of Wild Response or you personally to carry this conversation further? The organization overall, the best way to get a hold of us is through our website. Mm-hmm. That's www.wildresponse.org. You can also reach out to me directly, my email, which is Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at wildresponse.org. Okay. Yes. Um, and then for people who are into social media, we're probably most active on our Instagram. Instagram. And what would that be? That would be at Wild Response. All right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks again, Aaron, for coming here and explaining this wonderful program that you're involved in. And thanks again from the bottom of my heart for getting some of these kids back into nature. That means a lot to not only me, but I'm sure the whole community and our whole world. That's kind of you to say, Paula. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you for tuning into Talking Back. Talking Back is heard on WOMR Radio at 92.1 FM at this time each week. If you have news or comments to share, or you would like to be a guest on Talking Back, write, call, or email this station, care of Dr. Paula Sperry, WOMR FM Radio, Post Office Box 975, Provincetown, Massachusetts, 02657. Or you can give us a call. We're at 508-487-2619 or 1-800-921-9667. We're also at www.womr.org online. Tune in next week. And until we meet again, please remember to love your body. 